Bush and Richie here with your home time podcast and what an end to the week. We're, we're going to get off this. This is, you know, the bit at the beginning when Morecambe and Wise came out onto the stage with the red curtain behind. <laughs> it's like us, but we're just going to get off as soon as possible because we've got a brilliant Dave Grohl interview for you. Why would you want to listen to us two Burks chat when you know you've got Grohl on the way? And there's music in the podcast for you today as well. So here we go. It's home time on a Friday night with Bush and Richie. It's the official start of the weekend. And what a way to start it. It's an honour to welcome to the show on this Foo Fighters Friday, the one and only Dave Grohl, all the way from Los Angeles. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? It's good to talk to you. I oh, we're doing all right. Uh, well, one of the things uh, that kind of falters a little bit during lockdown is uh, the stuff you wear around the house. You start off smart and then... Uh, nearly a year on, you get, things start to fall apart a little bit. You end up in trekky bottoms and walking around with rugs on you just to keep warm. How have you maintained your grohl chic during the course of lockdown and being trapped at home? First of all, when we when we got on this Zoom call, the first thing I wanted to mention was my handsome shirt that I'm wearing and then my sweatpants <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and my slippers. I got them on. Amazing. So I'm like, yeah, from the waist up. I look like I should be here. From the waist down, I'm still in bed. I love that. You know, that's kind of, but I mean, if that's one of the things is that in this time at home, I feel like people are, are changing in some good ways, you know, like be having to face this sort of challenge and adapt to stuff. You wind up kind of becoming a person that you might not have been beforehand. And when it comes to like creative types and music, you know, I know a lot of musicians have considered this a really prolific time. So the writing and recording of, of Medicine at Midnight, was that time-wise, was that something that was done at home or, or was that pre-everything that's going on right now? Because like Bush and I are having to do the radio show from home and, and working from home is so hard with, with the distractions. Is, is Dave Grohl an easily distracted man? It depends. In the kitchen, no. In the studio, <laughs> no. Everywhere else, I'm a total mess. I mean, I don't know when... ADD was like discovered, <laughs> but I've had it since I was two years old. Like there's no question, you know. But um, I started writing this record like two years ago, and I had this idea that you know, knowing 2020 was going to be the best year of our career, yeah. and it's our 25th anniversary and 10th album. I was like, okay, I want to make a party record. If we're going to go out and celebrate this thing. Let's do it right. Like, let's put some groove into the record. Let's make these like huge melodies and big guitars. Because, but when we get to those festivals and stadiums, man, those they're gonna bounce. <laughs> like, they're gonna bounce hard. It's gonna be great. Well, it is a party album, Dave, and you've recorded a special version of this single, "Waiting on a War," just for us. Let's hear it. It's Absolute Radio. It's Foo Fighters Friday. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Since I was a little boy with a toy gun Never really wanted to be number one Just wanted to love everyone Is a 
Home time with Bush and Ritchie on Absolute Radio, where real music matters. Dave Grohl still with us for Foo Fighters Friday. The brand new single live there from LA for us, waiting on a war exclusively for Absolute Radio. Sounding amazing. So Dave, today is all about the new album, uh, Medicine at Midnight. But I was reading that when you made your first album back in 93 or 94, I think it was, I remember reading that you burnt off like 100 cassettes to give to friends. And you said at the time that deciding the font of the lettering on the front of that album was like one of the most exciting bits. So I thought it'd be interesting to know what small, seemingly insignificant bit of making an album do you still enjoy these days, all these years on? I mean, you know, like loading the equipment into the room, you know, or <laughs> or it, it, this record in particular, we recorded it in a house. We didn't do it in the studio. So, you know, like someone's upstairs doing a guitar track while I'm in the kitchen making chili and then <laughs> Taylor's doing a drum track downstairs while we're thinking of new ways to, you know, make Pop-Tarts delicious. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm in a bathroom doing a vocal next to a toilet. It's, I mean, it's, you know, the experience has a lot to do with it. And I think the atmosphere and the experience influences the ultimate result of the record. Do, do, so, do, so. do you miss loading the van? Dave, I'm a big Fugazi fan, and they always made a big thing of being able to load the van amazingly, like this game of Tetris with equipment. It's funny that you mention that because I just finished a new documentary called What Drives Us, oh. and it's all about touring in vans. More like what inspires people to, like, give up life and jump in some, you know, old van with their friends and travel around starving and sleeping on floors with no guarantee that they'll ever become successful. But everybody's had this, this shared experience. And when you begin that way, that's your foundation. Yeah. So like, you know, when I, when I step onto a G5 to go to a huge festival, I don't look at the silverware and think like, I don't like these forks. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, I think back to, you know, when I, when I had my sleeping bag was wet because I left it out on the rain and, you know, and I have to find somewhere to put it down and sleep for the night. And I haven't eaten in two days. Like those early experiences that becomes your perspective and foundation. It's really important. Here we are on album launch day. We're talking about a brand new Foo Fighters album. Uh, yeah, in the 10 minutes we've been chatting, uh, very excitedly, you've mentioned twice uh, about cooking. You said uh, you'd never be disturbed in the kitchen. You've said when you were doing the album, uh, you were in another room doing a chili. I think we need to explore Dave Grohl, the cook. Um, what would you consider to be your signature dish? First of all, I'm a barbecue guy. And I don't mean like I'll make barbecue for the family. I mean, I cater events for <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. For like, I've cooked for up to seven to 800 people before. Oh I mean, I have these smokers that are just wood burning smokers. There's no, like, they're not automatic. And I have these smokers that look like choo choo trains. You got to pull them <laughs> on the rock. So, like, if my signature disc is a Texas brisket oh, yes. or a North Carolina pulled pork, oh. sort of, or a variation of like a, a Memphis sort of Kansas City rib, like wow. I could do a dry rub or oh. a sweet rub. But I mean, when you cook that stuff, the sheer volume of it, and it takes 12, 18, 20 hours to do. And yeah. that's my thing. But I mean, if I'm just at home alone, man, I'll make you a pesto that'll blow your mind. I'll make you a lasagna oh, that'll yeah. like, freak wow. you out. I, I mean, I, I, I'm good in the kitchen, dude. I can do this. We need to get ourselves down to uh, Grohl's Bar and Grill. It sounds fantastic down there. <laughs> yeah. I'm starving now, Dave. Starving. Stay right there. And when we're back, we will talk more medicine at midnight. It's the new album. It's out today.
Dave, uh, your daughter Violet appears on your brand new record, Medicine at Midnight, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, and I'm a bit jealous because my eldest daughter, Erin, couldn't care less what I do for a job. She's not interested at all. So what were your dad tactics in getting your daughter to take an interest in your job? Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When my daughter was maybe like five, five years old, she was in preschool. And they had this day, it was like... Um, you know, bring your dad to school day and have them tell everybody what you do. So Violet said, will you come to school and, and like share with everyone your job? I was like, yeah, sure. So I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? So I grabbed a couple Grammys. I got a bunch of laminates. Oh, yeah. I got some drumsticks and I thought, okay. So the kids were sitting in front of me and I'm sitting in a chair, like a rocking chair in front of all these little kids. And I'm like, okay, hi. I'm Violet's dad, my name's Dave, and I'm a musician. Uh, so what I do for a living is I play music and I go out and I perform and stuff. And if you're really good, you'll get one of these. And I pass the Grammy around oh, wow. and they're like, oh, wow. And I'm like, I play the drums and I hand the sticks and I hand them the lanyards. I'm like, these are backstage passes. This is what you need to go, all this stuff. So um, later on that night, one of my friends, whose daughter is also in the class, told her parents, Violet's daddy came to school today and explained what he does. And my friend said, uh, what does Violet's daddy do for a living? And the kid said, He's a magician. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are many, many fans that would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, in one ear, out the other. Like, you know, like, here's the thing is, you know, my, my kids, you know, they've, they've grown up on the road with me. Yeah. You know, they, like, they've seen the sausage made. They don't, they don't just like turn on, you know, YouTube or MTV or something and think that's music. They know the road crew are a bunch of pirates. You know, they know that the backstage rider is full of stuff that like we'll never touch. You know, they, they like they they kind of know how it works. But everything else, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, all right, you're going to work. All right. Uh, would well, do me a favor on the way home. Will you pick up some you know chocolate bars or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like they don't they don't think of it like most people would. But they've also had these incredible experiences. Like I remember when Violet was maybe like five, six years old. I used to play the Prodigy song world's on fire and yeah. i'd say hey dance to this and she would lose her mind she'd just like bounce around <laughs> dancing and then we played with the prodigy uh at reading one year and i said wait till you see what happens when they do this in front of people <laughs> and we were standing on the side of the stage and of course first song world's on fire wow a hundred thousand people and i remember as the song started to kick in i tapped her shoulder she had her little headphones on and i said don't look at the band, look out there. And I, and I mean, just to see her, I get the chills thinking yeah, about it, yeah, just to amazing. see her jaw drop, man. That's, I mean, those are the, the experiences that I think they hold very dear. Dave, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, thank you so much uh, for the time, for talking about it. And we're loving medicine at midnight. Thanks, man. I wish I, wish I could be there. I mean, I'm not in your house, but I wish we could hang out. <laughs> hey, this is my daughter's bedroom. We're redoing the house at the moment. Would you be all right if, it, if going forward, being that we've interviewed you in it, if this was called the Dave Grohl Suite right now, would you be all right with that? Okay, I'll send you a plaque. And believe me, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Son of mine, we'll never do the work and feelings, the will of fools. If you believe it, it must be true. No son of mine, no son of mine. 
Uh, so an honour to have Dave Grohl on the show, and you can see videos of that on our YouTube channel pretty damn soon as well. Uh, a lot of people still talking about the fact that he let us into his secrets in terms of barbecuing. He loves to get loads of people over and do a barbecue. Uh, Pete says, uh, all I want to do is go around to Dave's house for dinner. Uh, Liam in Blackpool says, uh, if Dave did open a barbecue bar and grill, he could call it Dave's Bar and Grohl. Oh, wow. What, what an amazing name. I'd definitely go around there. But here's the thing. It's interesting that Dave should be talking about that because going on at our house at the moment, I've got a situation where my other half, Katie, has been making an amazing salad dressing that she's created herself, which we've been having on our tea now the past three nights on the trot, meanwhile in <laughs> lockdown. Um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. But she won't tell me what's in it, which is really weird. She won't tell me what the ingredients are. And Dave was alluding there. Dave Grohl was talking about this kind of these rubs that he puts on meat and he, he, knows, he knows how to make an amazing barbecue. And I thought, this hour of the show, show and tell if you have an amazing secret recipe for something then let us know have you got a recipe of something that you've created but you you kind of keep it private give us a little hint of it tonight on the show i'm in a similar position to you Uh, my wife is italian and does this lasagna which is absolutely incredible uh it's a it's a recipe that's been passed down by her nonna she she doesn't have it written down anywhere. She won't tell me the recipe. It's her that has to do it. I try and do it, and she says it's nothing like hers whatsoever. Um, I, and it actually irritates me a little bit, this whole secrecy of it. It's it's a wonder that I love KFC so much. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And it doesn't just have to be food. I mean, you might have an amazing little combination of things that can brilliantly clean the car. You might call it your special little recipe. Do you know what I mean? Let's see what Jim's got for us. Hello, Jim. Hello, Bush and Richie. How are you doing? All right. Hey. Are we good, thank Thanks, Jim. Explain to us this amazing secret recipe that you want to shout about from your house. Well, I'm not sure I want to shout about it, to be honest. You know, it is, it's a secret that's been handed down by a whole generation. So, you know, I'm putting it out there. But it is the super sandwich. Whoa. Tell us about a super sandwich. What is in it? It's, it's, you've got to go for that. The cheapest of white bread is the, is the first ingredient. No, none of that fancy multigrain stuff. It's got to be cheap. What we call plastic bread in this household. <laughs> Brilliant. That's where, that's where it starts. And then you're layering in there potato, bird's eye for preference. You know, you've got to go with quality. Um, melted cheese on top. Bit of smoked ham. Yep. Fried egg on top of that. And then the top layer has got to be lashing. I mean, I mean, serious quantities of mayonnaise on top of that. Pepper. Jim, just for clarification purposes, I, I think the phone dropped out at the beginning, but you may have said potato waffles. If that is what you said right at the beginning, what an incredible, well, as you say, a super sandwich that is. <laughs> it, it is potato waffles. And, you know, as I say, as, as I said to you, it's, it's about a million calories to look at it. Nobody in this household's ever managed to and uh, been able to, to walk away. Fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and is the bread on the outside? Because you've got white bread there as well. So the white bread is outside, but eat the, the waffle, which would be kind of bread-like in its own right, that's still tucked away within the sandwich. Oh, it's tucked away within the sandwich. We are, we are going double carbs here. You know, we're not messing around. <laughs> wow. wow. Amazing. Absolutely uh, amazing. I've got a lot of manual labour to do around the house this weekend. If I can get one of these super sandwiches through the approval process, I will be a very happy man. Wish me luck. You're good to go. Susie says, my husband loves my beef gravy. I bet he does. Uh, But the secret is a big dollop of Marmite. Uh, I haven't told him because he absolutely hates Marmite and I can't understand how anyone can eat it. Well, I can imagine you using this in a recipe, Richie. You're you're a man that puts Marmite onto a lot of things. This could be a goer. Um, I, hand on heart, put a dollop of Marmite into my lasagna. Do you? Yeah, beefs it up. 
Wow, that is pretty mad. That I've never even heard. There you go. There's another, there's another for free secret recipe for you. Laura says, I make a triple ginger and lime cake. Everyone wants the recipe, then tells me it's not as good as when I make it because I don't tell them the secret of how to make it brilliant. <laughs> All right? Uh, Neil Miller in Lancashire says, secret recipe, not really a secret, just my own twist, is mac and cheese. I use a shop-bought cheese sauce and always add two packets of soft cheese, grated double Gloucester cheese and extra mature cheddar. It's a lot of cheese. Along with the bacon bits or pancetta and onions. Then once it started to get colour on the top, I cover it. Yes, you're right. Wait for it. More grated cheese. And there are always empty plates, he adds. He's never had a complaint so far. <laughs> Can't go wrong, Neil. Can't go wrong. And then this from Jacko. I'm going to read this text out exactly as it is written. You're going to think I'm taking the mick, but I promise you this is how it's been written. I have a little book called Jackson's Wing It book where if the wife loves summit I chuck together, it gets roped down, no measurements or methods, so only I know it. The best is a chilli with about eight different spices, but the kicker is making a lasagna with it. Do you know what? I'm imagining him writing something in that book and then putting a pencil that he sharpens himself with a knife behind his ear. Eagle-eared listeners may have noticed something unusual between the two songs that we just played then. You will have heard this. Hello. This is Dave Berry. I command you all to vote for my Valentine's Day card at absoluteradio.co.uk and not for Bush and Richie's. Also, they stink of bums. Message ends. There you go. And this is another sorry chapter in the ongoing skirmishing that's been taking place uh, in the race to create the best Valentine's card for Thoughtful.com. Uh, they've got a, a card of Dave's face or something like that. We've got the brilliant Roy Pak Choi. And it's been back and forth, hasn't it? This uh, Now they've gone to the next level of yeah. actually breaking into our show and interrupting the music with their messaging. It's it, it leaves a nasty taste in my mouth. I, I have to be honest, Bush. I don't know whether you, you feel like me, but I feel like we're Great. patsies here. You know, um, you know, we, we accepted what we thought was just an innocent challenge that Dave uh, threw down and uh, that was sharing with us to create these cards with Thoughtful.com. They're fine. They're lovely people. What a wonderful organisation Thoughtful are. But, I mean, Dave, my word. He, I, I have to tell you, Bush, he's gone right down in my estimations. And to get that into the computer system, they would have had to lower their producer, Mark, like uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, into the mainframe and insert that into the master computer. So it really has, it's taken the the cloak and dagger element of this, which is the furthest point from Valentine's Day, as far as I can tell, to a new level. So look, you guys are voting which of these two Valentine's cards, the one uh, designed by Dave or the one designed by uh, Bush and I with our, our character, Roy Pak Choi, on the front. Oi, oi, Pak Choi. Happy Joy. Valentine's Day. Uh, you're voting. You're deciding. Uh, head to absoluteradio.co.uk slash vote to vote. Um, it, this whole episode of the last couple of minutes makes us feel a little bit better about admittedly what we've done to escalate things further. There's two sides to this. Dave loves his football. He's a Charlton Athletic fan. And we're going to hit him where it hurts. We'll explain next. So, uh, Dave Berry is a fan of Charlton Athletic and his beloved football team uh, have a fixture tomorrow. They're away uh, against Rochdale. We've contacted Rochdale and here's what we have done. This home time show uh, will... (laughs) We 
are the match ball sponsors for tomorrow's Rochdale versus Charlton Athletic game. So what does that get us and how is this going to get in Dave's craw? Well, let us explain. Obviously, there's no fans in the game at the moment, which is sad for all football fans. So this sponsorship, we get three mentions during the game uh, for the live commentary team on the Rochdale website. So this will happen before kickoff during the first half and in the second half of the game on all the uh, Rochdale social media channels we get a mention as well it's going to feature on their website it's going to be something along the lines of today's match ball sponsor is Bush and Ritchie from Absolute Radio's hometime show head to absoluteradio.co.uk to vote for their Valentine's Day card with Roy Pack Joy. So this is amazing. This is going to get right up Dave's nose because he's a Charlton fan, so he can't even watch his favourite team play without our car being thrust into his face. But we're going to take it one stage further. We're also getting all the Rochdale players, who hopefully at this point have beaten Charlton, to sign the ball, uh, and then we're going to gift it via Roy Pak Choi to Dave on the breakfast show next week. And Roy Pak Choi is going to get his own Rochdale strip, and we're going to get it hopefully delivered into the studio just to tip Dave over the edge, and he'll probably, I imagine, wave the white flag Monday or Tuesday of next week. Uh, if you're listening to Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio tomorrow afternoon, they're going to make Rochdale versus Charlton the game of the day. You'll be able to keep up to date with all of this. It is fantastic. Dave, we're coming for you. And don't forget to head to our website now, absoluteradio.co.uk slash win. Vote for our card in the war of the cards, thanks to thoughtful.com, and be in with a chance of winning £2,000 and a bouquet of flowers. Now, the infiltration of uh, Dave Berry into the, uh, into the show the last 15 minutes has uh, taken me away from this little stat I want to share with you. Um, particularly pertinent as we head into the weekend. It's Friday evening. We might normally be out. Certainly would be over the weekend. 87 million pints of beer have been wasted over the duration of the pandemic, which just makes you want to cry. Wow, it sounds like uh, Katie Melia's uh, difficult follow-up second album. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to hear that. Uh, it is a shame, and obviously the serious side of things yeah, for those of you working, uh, you know, entertainment and the the hospitality industry. Um, it's it's no laughing matter. But like that, that figure is just huge. Eighty seven million pints of beer did beg the question: What is the biggest waste uh, that you have ever been involved in? Maybe, for example, I don't know. I, I can't imagine there's going to be many of our listeners with this particular example. Maybe you bought yourself a Lamborghini and then filled it up with a load of diesel and ruined the engine. What a waste that would be. That's the kind of thing I'm thinking. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I will never forget uh, the people that that bought the hotel that I work for down in Devon, the Berryhead Hotel. Uh, the, the, the woman made this amazing gatto uh, for the first day when they opened up because I was like a staff that had been there before. Uh, and she'd spent ages making this gatto. It was like a big thing. It was in the, the uh, sweet tr- tray thing fridge at the front of the restaurant area. Uh, and I t- tried to tilt it to clean it. This is day one of them buying the restaurant. And it slid off like a boat being uh, put from dry dock into the sea and launched and sunk into a giant fruit salad and just submerged. And uh, that, was, that was like... I don't know, 30, 40 quid's worth of uh, cake, thoroughly wasted. She was mortified. (laughs) I've never heard you share that story before, and I love it. 
I love it. Katie says, uh, when the conveyor belt at the Mars factory broke, uh, literally drums of Mars bars got wasted. Oh. I was only about 10, but I ate a fair few. Obviously, family were working there. What a, that's kind of, that's a real privilege. That's, that's not, it was a waste for others, but y- you were the benefit of that, Katie. Do you know what we must do at some point, maybe next week, a spin-off phone-in about this where, you know, you get like... Um, perks of the job when something's gone slightly wrong so there mars bars miss mate yeah. she's had them if you work in a bar if you've ever done any bar work the old miss pool oh sorry mate i thought you said a pint of cider no worries i'll get you a lager i'll just put the cider on the side <laughs> share it between the bastard there's definitely someone in it nina gibson says working in tesco in the 90s i had to pour pints and pints of milk milkshake yogurt and cream down the drain because it was due to go off over the new year break back in the day when shops actually closed at christmas and new year sat on an up turned bucket for a couple of hours next to the drain doing it. It was quite bleak. Oh, that is so grim. So grim. And then this from Stuart. And Stuart, I like this because... I can't deny I've thought this myself before. Stuart says, I put 50p in the air pump for my tyres the other day. I must have only used 15 pence worth. Devastating. I'd love to know people's take on whether you're happy with someone else then driving up behind you and then using the rest of the stuff that you put the money in for. Do you know what I mean? Nah. Daylight robbery. (laughs) Colin says, when I worked on the Woolies pick and mix counter as a kid, uh, I saw a whole display destroyed when maggots were found in one of the sections. It wasn't my fault. I just worked on the record counter. Wow, that is unbelievable. Imagine just sitting there at the record counter going, God, what's going on over at pick and mix? Those guys have got to get their act together. Um, Gold Cannon says on Twitter, you might want to comment on this, Richie. He says biggest waste, £350,000 a week on Ertzel. And he's an Arsenal fan. (laughs) I'd agree with him there. Sticking with football, Brad says, all those Saturday and Sunday mornings as a kid uh, playing for my local team. I was absolute rubbish, but I only ever got a game because I was the only one in the team with a left foot. And Simon says, I witnessed a whole case of malt whiskey being poured down the sink in a police property store because it was suspected to be stolen and they couldn't trace the owner. That's the podcast in the bag. Cheers for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out Absolute Radio's YouTube channel. Some great, uh, not only the stuff you will have heard on the interview with Dave Grohl, but some previously unseen material too. Great chatting with Dave earlier, wasn't it? I, the one thing that hasn't gone away from me is is his, his boasting about barbecues. How do you think he would get on with one of those like 20 quid barbecues that you buy from a petrol station and like you know the bag that you light in the corner and you've got about half an hour of heat how's dave grohl getting on with one of those do you know what? he's just the kind of guy dave grohl could style out a, a petrol station forecourt barbecue <laughs> no problem at all he's dave grohl <laughs> we'll leave you with that thought 